Hello, this is the Tribe Stories, the curated sermons, conversations, and collections of poetry of the Tribe Lagos. The Tribe Lagos is a gospel expression based in the city of Lagos, committed to reaching the next generation with the message of God's love and grace. May this refresh and revive you as you listen. So guys, we, um, we started this relationship series, um, and I think that it's a very important aspect of our lives, right? Um, so just by show of hands, how many of us are in a relationship here? Okay, let's start by how many of us are in a situationship here? How many in situationship? I've never seen where they look this colorful. You're in companionship. Um, okay, so you know that someone posted something recently. Guys, I don't know if you had plans to buy a car this year. No, so, no actually, somebody told me that apparently his dream car, every day he wakes up, the cost of a dream car has been just running. He can't catch up with it. So it appears that the best time to have bought your dream car was 2020, 2019. When the dollar was still your friend, but of course we are not subscribing to scarcity. We are loved. Our father supplies our needs. But again, just imagine it. So someone said something else that so if the best time to buy your dream car was 2020, when COVID, you know, car dealers could have just they didn't know the world was going to come back to normal. Say that car, how much is it? Hundred thousand dollars. I'll pick it for twenty thousand dollars. You can have it, sir. You know, because nobody was like, why are you driving? Why are you driving it to? You know, and some people were selling things online, selling clothes. The world is funny. But if the best time to have bought a car was 2020, the best time to prepare for marriage is not when you're married. Actually, the best time to prepare for marriage is now. Someone said the, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. I don't know if you've seen that quote. The best time to plant a tree. And I think the best time is now. Sometimes we wait too long to figure it out. Um, and then when we get into the, the, the relationship, we are kind of like, confused because at that point in time you're trying to compress time and make a decision um, that you're not really equipped for right so we recently at the tribe we decided to sort of like pull away from everything we were we learned in the context of marriage uh, marriage counseling class so if you've gone for marriage counseling class there is um, there are courses you take one of them is um, uh, anybody here who has gone to marriage counseling class Understanding roles, what else? There is in-laws. There is actually finance, talking money. There is also um, third parties, influences. There is, um, some churches are bold enough to talk sex. No tribe, we have a very rich one, sex and sexuality. It's embellished, robust. Pastor Martin and his wife are, are the kings. But um, it's only alternative to practical when you get to that point. <laughs> so th there is that. So we, we, we actually started to recalibrate the foundation of marriage. And today, um, Lily's here. Please celebrate Lily. <laughs> bring a laptop. Bring a laptop. So um, um, we, we, this particular course is one of the um, courses we usually take, and it's called Union in Love. Right, and it's really understanding the foundation and the grounding of love. Um, and don't forget that here at the tribe, the core of our foundation is how you define God, where you locate Him, and who He is to you. 
These three pillars are very important. How you define God, where you locate him, and who, is he, who, he, who he is to you. Now, the way Jesus defined God was, is now the basis of our definition with God. Jesus defined God in John 15, when he was teaching them about the vine and the branch, that um, you are planted in the vine. And he went on to teach them about, I and my father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen my father. So the way Jesus defined God was that God was that which, was, which he was a part of and cannot be separated from. He defined God that God was not just about something removed from him and that God was not distant away from him, locked up in the synagogue. God was not in the holy mountains. God was not in the holy valley. God was not somewhere outside of him. His most intimate and most apparent place to find God was within himself. And he said, if you've seen me, you've seen my father. I, my father, what? One. So if we use that plank, right, to understand marriage, you need to unlearn everything you've learned about life. Because everything that you were taught from life was a locating, or locating the power of God and locating the presence of God outside and away from you. So many of us were rented in the Christian experience through a distant, separate God. So if we come to the understanding of the gospel here, God has invaded the distance. There is no more separation. So how do we now understand marriage when God comes into marriage? Right? So bringing that understanding, everything you've always learned about yourself changes. Right, so Lily will come f first. Let me open this thing for you, yeah? Um, yep, okay. So here we go. You know. Class one foundation. Please celebrate her. Hi, everybody. Good evening. I'm fine, thank you for asking. I'm much, much better. Um, okay, so it's fun to, always fun to talk about relationships um, because it brings fond memories back, not so fond memories as well. And just sometimes it helps me really ask again the question, am I practicing what I'm preaching? This thing I'm, this truth I'm saying, because truth is a standard. You know, you can tell the truth and not live the truth. You know that, right? So it's important to sometimes to take stock and see this thing I, t I talk about all the time, this thing I teach, am I living it out too? Am I seeing walking? Hi, Cindy, how are you? You know, so, um, can you guys hear me? I don't even, okay, no, I do, I do. You're struggling, okay. <clears throat> I'll bring it closer and try to baritone it down for you a bit. Okay, um, um, so at the very core, at the very core beginning, like Freddie said, um, the best time to start thinking or planning for marriage is now, not when you find the one. Because what you bring to marriage is a summation of who you are, basically your whole self, whether you are ready or whether you're not ready, you're actually going to enter the marriage at that point when you meet the person, right? So it's best to be as prepared as possible to, to, and in a sense, invest as much as you want the other person to have invested in themselves. If you know that they are part of your life you need to deal with and heal, then do the dealing and do the healing now before you meet the person. So that when you two, you meet a person and you can look at the person and tell, this, you can tell when a person has gone through process or a person has really, you know, basically 
healed on many levels or many fronts so that you're not reinventing the wheel. You know, people say things like the first year of marriage is the hardest or the first five years of marriage are the hardest or the first two years. I don't know which one is popular right now. But then I'm, you know, I'm going to which I guess and say that it's because many of these things we never confronted by ourselves first and we came into marriage, bam, and then give that part of ourselves to somebody's daughter, somebody's son. And the person is saying, no, 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 no. <laughs> I can't take this. And it's not just, it's not, um, it's not something that, you know, happens with just, for lack of a better word, I hate this word, secular marriages. It's in Christian marriages too. It's everywhere. So it's just a human thing. It's not because they don't know Jesus or anything. It's just a human thing. We want to hide those parts of ourselves. We want to repress first instincts. You know, we want to, you know, just do it well. Sometimes we even want to just lean into our trauma and use that to define the whole. Amen. Can everybody hear me? Okay. But then what we first need to do is prepare ourselves on every level that matters for the eventuality of going into a union with the person. Because you have to be 150% if possible. So starting from the very beginning is talking about the foundations. And like I said, you bring your, you, the, at the very core of a marriage is the two people involved and all that you bring to it. Hopefully, as Christians, we're all going, not just alone, we're going with God into our unions. So if you've been able to wrestle like Jacob to the point where you can say, you know the, you know the ways you need God. You've seen yourself full circle and back and say, this is me, God. <laughs> I need you to complete the rest, you know, so that I can actually be who I need to be. Marriage is so beautiful. Marriage is, marriage is yes, it exemplifies for us union with the Trinity. It, it, it should look like God. It should look like love, you know, and all that good stuff. But marriage, even on earth, is like an assignment as well. Do you understand that? Do you understand what I mean by it's also like an assignment? Do you understand? No. If you don't understand, please say no so I can explain it. No, good. So every part of our lives, we know that first of all, we're like, we're like ambassadors, right? This is not our final bus stop. This is not our home. And then we are in the business of redemption, restoration, reclamation. And what we met, or what, well, not, when I say what we met, what Jesus, <laughs> what Jesus came to redeem, you know, he's also, given, he's also given us the same work to continue. He's also given us the same work to continue. And where before now, before Jesus came, you know, people married, people were still married. Many patriarchs of the faith even married, so married, you know, two wives. They married based on the culture around them from their understanding of what marriage should be. Uh, and it, it, was mo it was mostly flesh-led. We can hardly look back in the Old Testament and, and say these were many examples that, you know, definitely could have stood the test of time. I mean, first of all, you know, polygamy, and I'm already like, yeah. Where do we begin? You know, and then you're adding concubines into the mix. You have sons sleeping with their father's wives. You know, it's, it was just, you know, all, all sorts of, you know, crazy. And Jesus came and he gave the perfect example for me when he said, like he said, I am, a, I am a, my father are one. Sorry, Freddie. I don't know if that's it. Okay. Um, So I and my father are, are one, and it was calling us to one, a level of freedom, 
but then also a renewed depth in marriage. Where before we married, maybe because it's time, you know, you're ripe. How they say, it's time to pluck the flower, she's ripe, she has bloomed or blossomed. Or um, you have land, you have work you're doing now, or you're going to take a wife, that's the next thing. Those are like cultural milestones or social, social, social expectations, where things we saw, you know, in the Old Testament. Now, Christ didn't even bother looking around him. He first pointed us to himself and God. Until today, for the, for the best marriages I know, trust me, that is still the same template. Even in Christianity, sometimes we have marriages that try to do marriage based on but Lagbaja and his wife, this is what they do. Okoro and his wife, this is what they do. You know, so therefore we do it too. But Christ is saying at every point in time, let, let me be your yardstick. Are you loving the way I would love? Are you loving as if you are you giving love as much as or even more than you you know you would love yourself? Are you expressing in kindness? Are you forgiving? Are you gracious? Those are the sanity calls us to not just I'm marrying because it's time. <laughs> so marriage and, and another thing is this understanding this foundation is important because um, Psalm eleven three says, If the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? So if we go into marriage thinking that he's a Christian, she's a Christian, you know, and we are equally yoked, therefore, because we both speak Christianese and we love Jesus or Jesus loves us, you know, that is a setup for disaster because there's so much more work that needs to go in. There's so much more work. And your marriage can only rise to the level that you have risen in God. So even when we say, oh, a, a cord of, there's this scripture, that there are many scriptures actually that talk about marriage, and one of them popularly used is a cord of three, of three strands, strands, sorry, not strands, is not <laughs> easily broken. You know, if one falls down, if one falls down, he, he's alone, but if there are two, the other can raise him up. If one is cold, the other can keep him warm. Pastor Martin. Okay, so, <clears throat> but <clears throat> it's, it's, it speaks to, in many ways, you know, that a cord of three strands not easily broken which speaks to the fact that in marriage, the third strand is there's you, there's your wife or you and your husband, and then the third strand is usually God. If two are better than one, three are better than what? Two, surely. And we know already that in marriage you have to come giving hundred, hundred. We always say this all, this all the time, you know. Um, but then also we have to understand that we are still all in process too. We need to do the work of healing. And at the same time, we will never fully be perfected on this side of eternity. You will never be perfect. That's the truth. It doesn't mean you now carry your baggage and say, I'll never be perfect. And I'll never be more loved and thick, you know. <laughs> we need to do some work, especially in the, in the ways that matter to be a wife or a husband, to um, heal from your pictures of marriage because your mind has already taken in so much. Your mind is like, so your, your diet has basically, you've been eating things all your life from the time you saw your first picture of a man and a woman who loved each other. You know, you already started digesting somehow or making meaning that this is what marriage should look like. So it wasn't when we started this conversation or when you picked up your first book, no, long before that, you, maybe your first movie, already your mind started making meaning about marriage. I, one, of, one of the funny things I remember was, oh, there's this quote, and I saw it play out in our, in, in our lives, you know, was um, this quote, someone said something about, you know, I opened my mouth, I opened my mouth, and my mother came out. Basically that she, you know, she was a mom, and then her kids were misbehaving, and then she opened her mouth, and her mother just came, and she was like, 
when did I become this woman? You know, the woman said this woman, she always does this. I would never do this. She always does. And then the first thing that comes out is the same woman that you did, you know. Because your mind, your mind doesn't work based on, I will never do that. You have to be intentional about never doing that. Your mind has already learned. It's already stamped. There are many things, and not just about parenting, but then there are many parts of your lives that you've already sort of, you, you've, you've become more than you care to admit. That's the truth. Based on what you've seen, what you've learned, what you've experienced. And unless you confront those things, whether they dare to surface or not, you will never really have the healing that you talk about. You will never really gain victory in that place. I see so many marriages every day and I'm reminded that not, nobody goes into marriage wanting to be, if you love a person, you don't go into marriage wanting to beat your wife. You don't go into marriage wanting to scratch your husband's eyes out or burst his tires or I don't know. You know, you don't, nobody wants to do those things, but then the worst parts of you are tested. Because in marriage, you now have to see someone, because you didn't do the work of confronting yourself, this person loves you enough to tell you that, no, this thing is not good. And we're supposed to be one, no? like you want me to join body with this craziness no 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 it's not good no no we have to and you know for some people it's like never this is me i love me if you don't love me hit the road and then all the irreconcilable differences and who you know start to surface so one of the most central things i want to take away from this is that one marriage for two to become one on many levels the two people have to drop a lot of things i'm not talking about just healing now but there are many things that are encoded in self that for you to truly join with the person and then have shared over understanding over time over a lot of issues and agreement or learning to even trust the person's judgment and submit and forgive and be gracious in and out of season a lot of you has to die if you see well, i can't the description now i can't quote it properly but then a seed that falls to the ground abides alone but when it dies, what happens? It bears much fruit. So one of the prerequisites is that when you get married or if you're planning to marry, you have to understand that there are many parts of you, and not, not the fun parts, I promise, but there are many parts of you that you're going to have to be willing to put down so that you can take on this new man that you are both becoming. To truly be one, you have to share vision. You have to be one in vision. You have to be one in spirit. You have to be one in... On so many levels, it talks about understanding. It talks about your ability to weigh things from this, you know, with the same standards or from the same perspective. So when you're a Christian, it makes it even more easy because you already have Christ as your standard. And even then, there's still a process and a journey. So Christ came and said, I came that they might have life and life and have it abundantly you know so marriage is not when i say die it's not that you it's not it's not the i'm not i'm not trying to paint a picture of marriages that maybe we had in churches where people literally look like they entered a coffin but they are still walking you know where it's shut eye to everything else around the world and just cave in no it's an assignment remember so the forging is so that you are more powerful for the assignment so you're more fit for purpose how would it be me and Fedi, we're standing here now, we're trying to give this message. I'm like, no, is this, no, is that, no, is this, no, is that. I, already from the get-go, the foundation is, is broken because we cannot even agree on what to give. So we had to, before this happened, before this, we had to already, we had to establish an understanding. We had to establish a foundation, a springboard from which we're going to share 
Now, Fred is going to, of course, share um, a lot more intricate, <laughs> intricate details, but um, this is just a preliminary sharing, basically. Um, then the Holy Spirit, that third strand is the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God, for me, is the Spirit of marriage. Not spirit like woo, like the, like the, the like a, a person that your hand can pass through that comes in and out like I am the spirit of marriage no, but the when I say spirit I mean the essence of marriage because Christ Himself is the essence of marriage so that we become more like Him. So marriage would force you also to challenge your challenge every part of yourself, but then it's for your good because it makes you only more a Christian marriage. Oh, not the one that they are boxing and mm-hmm. a Christian marriage forces you to be more like Christ. It's we call it sanctification. We call it sanctification because it makes you if you are really doing it right and you love this person, not because you feel like you love this person, but because you love the person the way you know Christ loves you and you want to love the person, you know, in the same way Christ loved you. Christ laid his life down for us. It's sometimes laying down your choices and your preferences. It's sometimes delaying gratification so this other person can have their shine, can have their day, can have their time. It's it's at every point in time it should be an outloving of each other actually. It's not even sometimes Freddie says often how you know you should be competing to outdo one another in love. Like I love you so much that I'm going to blow your mind to this. You don't know what I'm planning for you. I'm going to blow your, knock your socks off. You know? So that's how we should be. And not in the fun, buy you a card, buy you a gift, buy you a present, but then in the real down in the trenches giving of your life. Every marriage is different. So I can I can only give maybe my examples from my marriage or some marriages I know. But then um, for us, in many ways, it's been sometimes, you know, daring to say, I wanted, I planned to do this at this time. I wanted to do this at this time. But I see that my getting this now might delay your ability to have this, which is for you a, a, a bigger goal. And I'm putting this by the side on the back burner for now. And this person has their time, does what they need to do. And then, you know, shortly after this person says, okay, now we can push yours forward. That's what it looks like sometimes. It's a lot of compromise. It's a lot of, it's a lot of compromise, a lot of grace. And it requires a lot of forgiveness because the work of perfection is never fully done. I'm not saying take a half-baked person in. At the same time, I'm saying don't throw a half-baked person away. Wait. So when you don't so before you marry, before you marry, mm, this is why you have the advantage. You can you by yourself choose. Kaima was asking me the other day that um I think Precious you were there about something about why, you know what was he asking? I can't remember how the question went, but then I had to explain to him that no, that I, I chose him to be my head. That it's not like he just forced, he didn't grab me from the bush, like, come and be my wife. That, you know, I, I, I also did, I, I, I looked, I said, I considered the field. I said, hmm, this field, there's treasure inside. I went, you know, and found, hey, me safe. I said, okay, this field too is going to be my own. The field did not say, this is my own. I, I grab it today, grab your leg and start sinking. No, you, like, it was a mutual choosing of each other. I also chose this person to lead me in those ways. So you have the upper hand at this point, which is why it's the best time to plan and think about it when you're not yet, what do you call it, coughed? Is it coughing? <laughs> but you, you know, when you're not yet basically in a relationship, it's the best time to really think and assess, am I ready for this next step? 
I don't want you to just say marriage because you know I'm ripe, ready to pluck. Um, I don't find work. You know, <laughs> I don't find work. You know, they're counting my eggs for me, my my house, my mother, <laughs> three eggs to go. You know, uh, there's so much more, and there's so much life. There's so much of there's so much life to enjoy outside of marriage as well. I don't want you to lose sight of that too. Just as much as marriage is an assignment, your time as a single person is an assignment. And if if your spouse, you know, goes before you to meet Christ, there's an assignment too. In that time. Amen. So it's to be mindful of your time, your seasons, what you're doing with them, and how you're using that time to, to prepare for the next season. I think I'll stop here. So we'll, we'll do this and then we'll kind of like do the Q&A. So um, just to throw this out there, I want to talk about the architecture or the design of marriage. And I think that um, when we were on campus, there was a time all those serious fathers would come and tell us, draw a picture of the wife you want to marry. You go draw. You understand? But, um, and they start to speak it into being. Now, your current relationship or your current dating relationship is a metaphor for marriage. In fact, guys, the way the guy is treating you now in relationship is, is not going to be very different from the way he's going to treat you in marriage. Um, the challenge is this. No, the challenge is this. The only difference, the only difference would be how they relate with the Holy Spirit, right? They might mature into that, right? So on one level, people talk about compatibility. Quite frankly, eh, it's not so much about compatibility, but the maturity to handle your incompatibility. You understand? So we make much. Compatibility becomes overrated when you have a low view of the Holy Spirit. Any two can marry who is filled with the Spirit. Any two can marry who is filled with the Spirit. That is where the work is. The work is the Holy Spirit powering you to love. You understand? Yes. Any two can marry you. So it's not so much about, am I, what's your personality? What's your, your... But once, yeah, it's not so much about those things, right? Now, first thing, I want, now, I want us to be a writing church, guys. Sometimes I feel like there's so much that is poured out, we don't write. But keep this in mind. If you don't have a picture, write five things I want you to write. Keep this in mind. So I call it the five facts of marriage design. One, if you don't have a picture of marriage, you won't steward your relationship well. So what we're saying is, if you don't have a picture of marriage, you won't steward your relationship well. Give you context. For many of us who grew up in a war zone called a home, you already have a broken notion of, law of marriage. And that frame of reference can impact on your choices. In fact, you learned how to live and how to survive in that environment. And that was a war zone. But once you come to a love zone, if you're not careful, you will bring your, paternal, your, your, your survival instincts into love zone and you hurt yourself. So first thing, if you don't have a picture of marriage, you won't steward your relationship well. Two, a marriage with a strong foundation can withstand any storm. Two, a marriage with a strong foundation can withstand any, can withstand any storm. And you know what we said today? That the foundation of a solid marriage starts today. Right? Three, this is very interesting. Did you get the second one though? Okay, let, let me track it. Let me, let me pace up a bit. A marriage with a strong foundation can withstand, any, can withstand any storm, right? The storms will come. So if your foundation is right, you can survive that. The third thing I'm going to say is this. God doesn't work on your marriages or God doesn't work on your relationship, right? So wherever you can put marriage slash, slash relationship, we're speaking to the same thing, right? Third thing, God doesn't work on your relationship. He works on you. 
and the works reflect on your relationship. So for people that are praying, God, heal my marriage, heal my relationship, and you're not looking at yourself, the work is not being done, you understand? You will change from um, Shade to Bimbo, and yours truly will remain. You understand? Because the fundamental thing is that if you carry an impatient man and a woman that is not too good with time, there will be tension. Two things. One has to die. One has to die to be in a hurry. Or one has to face up. You understand? But when we pray, Lord, heal my marriage. Lord, heal my relationship. Turn me around. You are asking for work. Because the reality is that it's not something that is removed from you. At any point in time, your relationship is a reflection of you. Our relationship rises and falls on the level of our wholeness. That if you are still living from the level of trauma, your relationship will be toxic. And not because you self-sabotage intentionally. You self-sabotage by, by automatos. It's not an automatic response. So the fourth one, marriage can be the best of your, of your years or the worst of your years. Right? This is a fact. The marriage can be the best or the worst. What is important is how we, who you're living life with. We are coming to the union. So Lily spoke about union. We're tying that here. So what, what would be the difference between this and what we're talking about? Um, the way that I want you to think about marriage is that um, marriage is not so much... You have to picture a garden. Think of a garden. The garden is not just beautiful by, by itself. There's always a gardener. Because if you leave the garden, guess what will happen? The weeds will take over. So, if you're not working on your relationship or actively working on your marriage, you're going to make it the beautiful garden. That means you will prune and you will plant. You will water. What are the ways we water relationship and marriage? We water it with words of affirmation. We water it with quality time. We water it with gifts. If you do not water it, if you do not steward your garden, the weeds will take over. Some of us are com combating with the weeds in your relationship because you just didn't understand that there were, there's a place for words of affirmation. There's a place for gifts. The last gift you gave was Valentine 14. And there are more love days than 14th of February. In fact, the way we were sentenced in this gospel, eh, the Christian race was a sentencing to 14th February every day of your life. It was never to take it and then say, yes, didn't, was I not generous on that 14th? Is that every day of your life you were meant to love. You understand? So when you think about it, the, the, your, your relationship is like a garden. So don't let the weeds grow. In fact, in life, eh, relationship naturally drifts apart. They don't drift together. It is a bit of intention to make them drift together. It's the natural cause of relationship or marriage is apart. Have you seen two couples after 20 years will come up and say, um, irreconcilable difference? That word, Americans have used it a lot. And money didn't say Bill Gato. You'd have thought that there was money there. Melinda left him and went to marry a school teacher. But she left rich. <laughs> At that point, he said she was married for love and passion and quality time. Bill was all up in his head, drawing maps. You understand? Trying to save the world. So, yeah, but, but they were rich. Huh? Both of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Two richest men. Who is living again? Bezos. No, she's married. She's off. 
Oh, she learned the teacher. When pastor example is not updated. <laughs> no, well, guys, you know, sometimes uh, in this Nigeria, the way we are wired, we think money answers all things. You understand? But money doesn't, for, doesn't love make. There's this Shakespearean language. Love doesn't money make. I don't know. Money doesn't love make. You know, Shakespeare. There's, there's a way he says it. So, a healthy marriage allows for growth and, and maturity. A healthy marriage allows for growth and freedom. So you have to keep that in mind. Now, guys, this is where I want us to dwell. Um, have you ever been in a relationship where you just sort of felt like um, you don't know where you want to carry and go? I don't know where they carry me go. No, please, have you been in that relationship? No, anybody here, you just woke up one day and realized, I need to slow things down. Only you just decided I need to slow. Anybody? Some people, you know, some people, one day I got one intense call. The person, is, the person that called me is not at the tribe. But the person called to report somebody at the tribe who took a break. Who took a break? Yes, that. Said, just said um, he wants to take space. So, Pastor, you know, he, list, I, I, he listened to your sermon. So, I want you to ask him, what is the nature of the break? How long is the break? I've never met this person. Just send me a message. I should call the, and ask him what he, that he has not said how long this break is for. So when I, I now called my brother in Christ, say, brother, I, I hear you on break. Where are we going? Is this transfer window? Is this midterm break or transfer window? The guy said, don't the, the trouble too much. Every day trouble, trouble. I want peace of mind. My just day. I say, okay. The question is, how long is the break? She never finished school. I now realize, I now realize, okay, this is a long time. So when I called, I said, what class are you? She said, yeah, two. I said, what, how many years? She said, microbiology without the, all this four-year course. You need lag. You have not factored in ASU. Because I'm very sure. So I was, going to try, I was trying to give her context to the break. Like the break might be finish school first. You understand? <laughs> so I was saying, ASU don't lock you for us for one year. Uh, yeah, so I, I now say, but you know what I need you to do? Concentrate on your school. Let your grace be so great that he will come and say, you're too intelligent, be my wife. You understand? No, but... So, so have you ever been in that relationship where you have to slow things down? The other thing is, have you been in a relationship where you drift in and out? The question is why? When you drift in and out, you know, recently, that, that, our dad freeze, that phrase was trending today. Yeah, that phrase was trending. It was yesterday or today. And apparently he has scolded somebody bitterly for having two wives. Scolded, in fact, he took it upon himself to school him on the tenets of marriage. Only for us to wake up today and daddy was saying, this chef is sweeter than the food. And he's, he's also... No, but my point again, my point again is this. My point again is that, and these are not necessary. He's a relationship counselor. People call him for advice. You understand? People call him for advice. So, but here is one of the, here is one thing I want to even dive deep. One of the greatest things I want us to talk about today is, I want to talk about self-awareness in love, right? Ladies lay the foundation for union. And I must dare say, self-awareness is very underrated. Uh, I don't think many Nigerian men are self-aware. No. No, we're not very self-aware. 
I must I can't guarantee you some of us know more about the football club we support than about anything. You understand? We were we were very oriented towards external. So I would actually say with a pinch of salt, if a Nigerian man say, ah, no, have you seen some people? I know spec is a construct. So, but have you seen some guys in a speckless journey? <laughs> yes, that random. It's just attention, attraction. Wherever there is attention, there shall be attraction. The signal is never wrong. You understand? Like I said, just an ordinary platonic hi. The girl just greets you because you look like a cousin. And the next day, Obodo Kara enter 10x. So at the end of the day, I think self-awareness, quite frankly, in Nigeria, both on the ladies' side and the guys' side, but I think it's more acute for guys. But even on ladies, right, it's very underrated. And I can tell you for a fact that you were beaten out of it. When we were growing up, the way we were raised, we were not raised to be conscious of ourselves. But again, as tribe, we, we, spoke, we speak about two selves. That's what I want to dwell on. And I want to give you the construct and the foundation for love that will last. And love that the way it's designed to be. So we, we speak often about two self. And I remember Romans 7:17 spoke about the true self and the true self that is hidden in Christ and the false self. Now, who was the most self-aware person that walked on the earth? Why? No, please clap for Jeffrey. That doesn't mean you're self-aware. But we could we could use the answer. We could use the answer. No, 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 no shades today. It's just the gospel. But you no, know, Jeffrey. Sometimes truth comes in shades, and we just lay hold of the word. Right, guys. So, huh? No, Jeffrey said that Jesus was the most self-aware, and that Jesus was most self-aware because he was one with the Father. And I think that's profound. So here is what we discover in Christianity, that once you get into Christian, Christian experience, there is a new definition of identity. So um, let me, as it come, please, let me take two examples. As it come, Cora, please come. No. Guys, please, who can be our false self among these? Who can be the true self? The false self is robust in the flesh. No, 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 no. Eh? You are the true self. If Isaac is true self, say I. Let me see her. If Isaac is true self, Isaac, we need to do more work. Oh. We need to do more work. One, two. I, if Cora is the true self, let me see. But guys, are your true self in this way, in the Lord? Okay, it's all right, it's all right, it's all right. Let's, not, let's see our both ways. It's okay, it's okay. But you have to be robust in the spirit. Okay, guys, but here is the thing eh? Let's say you were zero, you were 25 years when you got born again. 25 years, you got born again. So this is the conscious self. This is the man that Isaac has been born in Alabado. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> to uh, an Ijebu family. You understand? Kini, eh? Kajer. Okay, well, born in a Kajer. All right, so this is Isaac, 25. Now, when Isaac gets born again, there's a spiritual life that comes into him, right, that actually changes the entire configuration. So here, a new definition is introduced. Paul actually said that this definition uh, is the beginning of what he calls the second half of life. That's why they call it born again. Born again is actually that your mind changes. You discover something inside. So this is the conditioned mind, and this is the Christ in the man. 
But the way Jesus lived, Jesus did not live from the conditioned mind. Jesus lived from the Christ in the man. So if your self-awareness is rooted here, there is already a natural limitation because this man is a combination of past experiences. So if you went to um, GSS primary school, um, give me a school. Eh? Elekaya. They might not know it here. We need a Lagos example. What school? Give me. Green Springs. All right. I know, I know one when we come from that place, Green Spring. All right. Um, any other person? Okay, let's say you go to Green Spring, right? There is experience from Green Spring. What's your school in Sapele? Uh, eh? Nepa. Nepa. Popsi was Nepa staff. Momsi. Okay, Nepa. Do you know the experience in Nepa is different from the experience in Green Spring? And if you come to Vivian Fowler, there is experience there. was different. Now, all this content of our experiences are very different. Right? Some of them actually not very accurate. So if you settle for this person as your true self, and if you're falling in love with this person, there's a danger there. And if you're loving this person, there's a danger there because this person doesn't even know himself. In fact, this person, the Bible recommends that this person has to be renewed. In fact, he says, this man dies, so this man is born. So what the gospel experience means is that you transition from this mind to this mind, from conditioned mind to the Christ mind. Now, this is an entire work. But what self-awareness is for us that are here today is to live from this man. Here we spoke about living for God, right? Here we speak about God living through you. So if you are loving this man, and if this man is loving you, there is a tension in that experience. So first of all, if this is the person that is loving you, he's loving you only to the extent to which he knows him, he can. So the strength of his awareness right it's already tied to the fact that um he has his like, limitation his experience in fact this man has a program there are three triple threats i call it triple s triple threat s scarcity separation and survival this triple s is the or is the is the os the operating system that defines this place so by orientation, this man is already wired to love you from what he can get. So because this person was wired in survival, his own life is about obtaining. So he will tell you, I love you, but the love is, I love you because of how you make me feel when I'm with you. So it, it lands on you, but the end is him. And it's not that he's wrong, or that's all the world knows. Happily ever after. Only when we enter house, we realize, you know, they walk. You understand? But at the end of the day, this is to the extent to which you can love. The only way you can change a man is to change his level of awareness. Right? You cannot transform a man if you don't first transform his level of awareness. If your awareness is not coming from here, you're loving the, the, you're loving, loving the wrong man. You're loving the wrong person. Most of us think we are the idea of ourselves. So you are, this idea is not the real, real you. The real you is the Christ in you. So Jesus introduces the word called union. So union now tells us that I am one with God. Now, I'm going to date somebody that is also supposed to be one with God. So ideally, the relationship becomes one with God, one with God, equal one with God. You understand? But the word is half alone plus half alone. If you run the formula, there are many. If you track it now, and I can tell you that union is still something that God is introducing to the church. So we are a breed God is hiding to use to exploit it. So in the next few months, years, we'll go, this thing will become mainstream. Right? This understanding that God is not lost, but God is found within. 
that God is not to be pursued. God has found you. Awaken to the God that dwells in you. Come home to the indwelling presence of God. That the Holy Spirit is God. So Jesus introduces the name Holy Spirit and he said the Holy Spirit dwells where? In you. If you don't understand it, the Holy Spirit is not all these spooky things. He's more present than you know. You're absent to his presence. That's the problem. That you don't know that he's present is the first problem there. That you believe he's not there is the thing you have to overcome. So I'm not here to teach you spirituality. I'm here to let, let you get out of the place that told you it was not. I'm only here to break the belief that you're not spiritual. And you just flow in the spiritual. So what is the difference between loving, this, loving in this man and loving in this man? If you're one with God, I, te- I tell you that you come to the understanding in this place, love is acquired. What you live here from, love here, love is supplied. So when this person comes into relationship, right, he, because he's built in survival, Lilith spoke about in union, two become one. But it's two whole people that become one. You're not meant to seek completion in the other. If two toxic people come, if two half persons, if one and a half comes, it's not complete. So one person has to find his identity in God, embrace it, live from it. The other person will find their identity in God, embrace it, live from it. And then they come together and then they have a relationship. So marriage is actually, the definition of a marriage that can last is when two people in union, living life together with the Father. So Ecclesiastics said a three-fold code cannot be broken. And Lily spoke about it because God becomes that very code that holds it together. If you're holding your marriage, you can hold it so far. If, if you're held by the cord, you're sustained. So in the union flow, eh, you're planted in God. So everything you need is supplied. Love is not something you demand from the other. Love is something that you give. So clap. Isaac, sit. Stand. Um, see me, please come. So this is an example, right? So this is, uh, this is, um, this is actually Cora and this is Simi. Now in a relationship, right? Love, what is the, what is, how is love found? If this is the true man, you come to your relationship bringing love. She comes to the relationship bringing love. When you put on the other person the burden to meet your need, your relationship is already disadvantaged. Right, so self-awareness is not about becoming aware of the false self. Self-awareness is awakening to the Christ self that lives in you. So when you say know yourself, and you're knowing the false self, you're knowing rubbish. So all this, our wokeness, the wokeness that the world is celebrating today, that I am woke, I know myself. If you know yourself intimately, you understand? No matter how intimate you know yourself, that part of you that you know intimately, if it's not the Christ self, it's not actually a complete experience. One day you wake up, you can only go so far. So we're all called to dial back and begin to rediscover our true self as Christ in me. So what does that mean? That I do not fully identify myself through my feelings alone. I subject my feelings to the Christ in me, the hope of glory. So Christ becomes my power, my life, my source. How I love becomes my reference point, Christ. It might sound a little above your head. It might sound a bit above your head, but here is the thing. When you come day to day in making decisions in love, this man, eh, the way Jesus Christ said, I put the church first. The nature of the love of God and the type of love God exemplifies is the self-sacrificial, self-giving, self-emptying love. So the love that is the flow of the Father is one that puts you above the other, that puts the other above you. So at the end of the day, you are not here asking this person to meet my needs or meet your needs. I'm here to express the love of the Father. She's here to express the love of the Father. This becomes the ring. So at the end of the day, if you're loving, clap for them, please sit. So if you're loving, if you're actually, if your false self is the person through which you're loving, you're doing life from, where it's not wrong to have spec. 
But guys, some things are deeper than spec. And I'm asking you to find, begin to plow into those depths. It's not wrong to have lists. The person has to be tall, dark, and handsome. The, most of us have been taken. But it's still okay. And it's all in the house. No, but guys, when we look around, you might find tall. The other part might not always be there. What you find, what you find there is a lot of handsome short men. And no, 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 guys, it's okay. But this, this, no, tall does not hassle. No, no, guys, guys, somebody smiling at the back. You're not that tall, Jeffrey. Sit down. Jeffrey, we, we, I think I'm taller than Jeffrey. I should be taller than Jeffrey. So let me not shade myself. So the, 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 here, here is the interesting aspect of love. If you come with union to love and you bring that union understanding that my love is not here to meet my needs, all the false expectations that is haunting marriages today, you won't deal with them. Have the problem people are dealing with, unnecessary expectation. And now how do we balance it? Am I telling you absence of expectation? I don't think it's humanly possible, quite frankly. I'm not asking you to, because I tried to get rid of expectation. It didn't work. My expectation just kept morphing in my head. Because my expectation was my culture. So I grew up in this semi-evil culture, right? Where it was hard work, hard work, hard work. Hey, make a, 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 make a. It was a lot of hustle. So I'm wired for, I don't have a slow down button. I don't have a slow down button. And I, when I got into love, I actually, you know that thing Isaac was saying, drive was important to me. If the person didn't seem to have enough drive, I'll be like, hey. Yeah, 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 I just have the wiring for drive. So drive was the, how you pace it. You understand? Then I dated somebody that had my kind of drive. I just realized, what, you know, the relationship didn't work because we were both driven. <laughs> yes, understand? At that one, he wanted to be president. <laughs> no, no, no. No, we're both driven. You understand? And so I, I now realize that. So one day, she, was, she had so much dreams. In fact, some days, when we meet, the, 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 the relationship was, the date was a business plan. I, I reviewed deck, so they tire. <laughs> deck. I don't know if you guys understand deck. So at the end of the day, you know, it was just, so I now realize, come on. There's something deeper than this, right? If I wasn't so self-aware, like I told you, self-awareness came a little late. I didn't even know I had allergies. I ate everything. I only realized recently that I was a little Jew because I didn't like lamb and pork. I ate them well until I knew their name. And when somebody told me, you're just judging pork, I ate pork. And the last lamb in my mouth, just the taste just changed. I couldn't solely digest the lamb. Because I think there was someone that said, you ate the Lamb of God. I'm, I'm, I don't know where it came from, but recently I was telling Lily that, Lily, you know, I just realized I don't like Lamb and Pork. Lily said, you'll be eating it the entire time, Freddy. It's all, there's different way they are made, you know. But like I said, self-awareness was something that a lot of us, you think that you love this until you get in there, right? But if you come into that relationship, I want to ask you, why, what are the things that is feeding your desire for that person. What are you looking for? What's on your what's on your love list, or what's on your attraction list? And I want you to profile that through the lens of the fact that 
If those things are stopping you from love, because at the end of the day, you're built on the construct of it has to fit this way. Some of us have a tribal lens. Let's not deny it. You know. Some people don't bring a chi and chuku to the house. It's just, it's, a, it's an unwritten code. You understand? And when you meet those chi, chi and chuku, where there's no chi and chuku in the name. You just meet him, he said, uh, Elube. I said, oh, that's nice. You don't know that there's a chuku that was removed. <laughs> yeah, something just taken off. And some people, you understand, you know, at, at the end of the day, somebody was, was explaining to me that if you don't heal in your perception of love, you carry those broken notions from your parents into relationship. So today, one of the things I want us to take away, marriage is by design, right? And that marriage can be beautiful. But what will power that marriage is the life of the spirit inside of you. And that that life of God that is in you is what will supply the strength for you to love. Some of our parents had long marriages, but they were not happy marriages. Quite frankly, it was just two parallel lives living under one roof. You and I know if you were, if you, if you were, if you were attentive. You knew that those two, the marriage ended when you were in primary 12. But, but they just married, you know, they just managed to do it because they were, they were back in the day, if you, if you divorce, they will tell you that um, you spoil the family name. So people stay in marriages. But we're not called to endure marriages. We're called to love and build marriages. Right? So we're not called. So, and some people will tell you that I didn't leave him because I was unhappy. She will tell you I left him because I could be happier. So there's a marriage quotient now. Hollywood has programmed us to think that happiness is external to you. But if you know that in union, you, have, you say, I have all things. I have Christ within. So happiness is not something you obtain. It's an inside reality. That is the first thing first. Do not go into relationship trying to obtain. Like in this person will give you my Eldorado. They won't always give you Eldorado. Eldorado is an internal reality. If you always feel deprived and that you are lacking, that person will not end your scarcity. The desert within cannot be solved by the other. It is only filled by the presence of God inside of you. So yes, you have a picture of relationship and marriage you want to live, but I can tell you today, the first person to date is yourself. Many of us are trying to date another person. We have not dated ourselves. Nadia, the problem starts. Yes. Have you dated yourself? Can you bear your own company? Can you bear your company? Although if you are the only person, if you are the only person you are comfortable with, there's a problem. <laughs> that one is a little too far. You cannot, you cannot only, only you are comfortable with your own company. But let's even start with, what does it mean to date yourself? See, uh, dating is about collecting data, right? It's about collecting data. So even you, like I said, many of us, the, the, the longest journey in life is a journey inward. If you do not journey inward, you are not available to love. And every man loves at the level of awareness. So if that man uh, thinks, he, if he doesn't know himself, see, many of us were born, we are currently, <laughs> we were born in a sleep. We were raised in, a, in our sleep. We graduated in our sleep. We got married in our sleep. We gave birth to children in our sleep. We are raising children in our sleep. Many die in the sleep. No, there is something called mass hallucination or mass hypnosis. Mass of humanity are living quiet lives of desperation. Many people think they are awake, they are not. What we are, because we are mistaking living for existence, many people, it's just mere existence, they think they are living. There is nothing they are bringing to the table. They are just following paycheck to paycheck. In life, they are not contributing anything, they are not creating anything. They are just coasting around, going through the motion. They think that motion is a movement make. This is my Shakespeare evening. Absurd. 
Right? So at the end of the day, what does it mean to date you? And I think that a couple of things that would help you in dating you is that there has to be moments alone and moments away. When last did you take yourself on your own vacation? When last did you fast from the noise? Because most of us are a cacophony of other voices. You are an echo of many dead men. And you are just an echo of many people in the grave living through you. Some of us are just a a propagator of dogmas. We are a combination of bias and prejudice of our parents. Civil war bias, you did it. Everybody's talking about how Obi, you only are still in, in, in Biafran Obi. Move. You understand? My own point is that if you're not self-aware, if you've not dated yourself, how do you date another? Who are you giving? If you don't know who you are, you can't give anybody anything. So we need to start talking about dating yourself, making time alone and time away for your spiritual life to refresh. So you need time away. Guys, more than anything else, do you know, I do this thing where I don't just go look for one resort. Although there was one time I went to Ota. Because <laughs> I was looking for a holy place. Like my own point, I know that I know that we say I'm a holy place. But you know the noise in your neighborhood is not a holy noise. While you are trying to practice holiness, Buga is around the corner. These days I just organize, organize, I'm like everything. And I'm thinking, cast, let go, lose your hold. They've organized us. But see, I need us. You know how we always look for pointers. In the next one month, take yourself out. Look for a decent hotel. I like things that have proximity to nature. Yeah. You understand? I like when I can hear the chippings of the bird, rustling leaves, right? Like, yeah, I love those things. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's some days after we read all those novels, it's in their head, but you know, they see how. I can't remember when last I even saw three in Lagos. Are three still around? Yeah. No. But my point again is that. I need you to take yourself away. And those moments, you have to journal. Part of what your journey of self-awareness is journaling. So when I say date yourself, I said, God is going to highlight in you the things in your life you need to grow. Your, your, your relationship goals, your career goals. God will constantly speak to you. Many of us don't just journal. And journal is a spiritual activity. It's actually how you're able to connect and stay plugged into what God is saying. If your journal, your, your journal will bring you back. That's why I don't know what some of us are doing in tribe. If you know the right... Because the notes you take here, uh, trust me, one day you'll be reminded of something. Journaling is actually is a spiritual practice. So I'm actually saying, one of those things, take your time and then practice meditation. I think one of these classes we're going to talk about meditation is very different from the way people practice meditation, but there is a sense that the Bible speaks of something called epignosis. You know what epignosis is? Epignosis is what Paul was praying about in, in Ephesians when he says, may the eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you will know. When he says, deep collect unto deep. See, inside of you is a wellspring of wisdom. Like God wrote things in you eh, that you have not assessed. So there's this scripture that talks, I think it was in Ecclesiastes that said, you will draw from the depths. A wise man can draw from the depths. See, there is more wisdom in you than the wisdom outside. What will transform your life is not the things that somebody is telling you. It's that which is waiting to be uncovered. There is so much wisdom in you. The wisdom of everything. What's when you incubate and hibernate, you will uncover it. See, make it a practice. In this world of noise, we are addicted to speed. We are addicted to performance. We are addicted to post. Some days, still social media. Just somebody said he's signing up for everybody. I go on 10, 10 a.m. I go at 10 a.m. and I leave at six. He was doing I don't know I don't know if you saw the post. The guy was like, come in at 10, leave at six. 
He was trying to regulate himself, but the point again is that the world has somehow been reprogrammed. Right now, there's a neurological reprogramming that is happening to mass of humanity because as you're looking at posts, your dopamine, your, your, your own entire mechanism, chemicals are actually being refired, and your body's being reconditioned in such a way that you're being fed daily with that dopamine of likes. Every five seconds, you have to check the likes and the comments. You're dialing them up. You're measuring your worth with every like and every comment because your world has reduced to I post, therefore I am. So you're what you post, and it's sad. In the 1918 centuries, it was, I am, therefore I am. That was what they were saying. Descartes, I think, therefore I am. So your entire world was built on thoughts, and yet you are not your thoughts. But today, the world is still running on the program of my, I am my thoughts. You are not your thoughts. You are the awareness behind your thoughts. You are the power of the Spirit of God, the voice, the whispers, telling you, come ye and know who you are. That is what it is. So today, if you do not know who you are, don't date another. You give them half-baked food, sour meal, everything that you you are not even ready for dating. Self-awareness is one of the greatest arts we must perfect in this time to live a whole awesome life. Even your career, don't make career choices out of conditioned mind. You make poor career choices. Paycheck is not the basis for choosing where you go. What is determinant is what is what? How is it a platform for expression? Is this going to help me express the God within me? The deposit of God, my capacity for love, my capacity, how is that platform going to serve? Right, so we are dating people who are not even aware of themselves. And so we're going to live from traumas. If you do not heal, how do you even know areas of your life you will heal if you're not self-aware? You understand? And I want you to, moment by moment, don't, convert, don't, don't change every conversation into an argument. See, if somebody, they tell you something, eh? you don't want to argument. Look for your triggers. When you take things personal, you need to heal. No, that's, that's taking things personal. You need to heal. So look for your triggers, even in conversations. Look for them. And I think you should write them down and pray about them. So I'm this thing, I'm going to talk to you guys about it. We're going to come up, we're doing something called symphony of prayer. I will be pushing prayer point. Prayer! All of us. Praying for your life. Praying for, we just need to stay there. You're praying the scripture. But... The art of self-awareness is something that you and I cannot run away from. Yet, your fulfillment and the quality of life you live is tied to your ability to know yourself. How do you know you should leave that organization? How do you know you should stay? How do you know you should be in that relationship? It's not the tough seasons that count. It's what the Spirit is saying per time that counts. We're not led by challenges. We're led by the Spirit. Because at the end of the day, you might be in the belly of the whale and God is there. But if you don't understand that God is in the belly of the whale, you will still go back to you will go back to Tashish instead of going back to Nineveh. Where was he again? There are three journeys. You understand? So I really want us to spend today asking ourselves, today is about what is that part of my life I want to see myself growing. Right? And there are practices. If you don't have a study habit, it's gonna be a challenge. You need to have a Bible study habit because the Bible in itself is a map for revealing ourselves, the true self. As you study the Bible, guess what? You're studying the Christ in you is coming alive day by day. And when we do fellowship together, serving in church is part of self-awareness. Yeah. Self-awareness does not happen only in isolation. It happens also in community. Because community will help us to see ourselves through the lens of other people. And you see yourself through the other part. So some of us didn't do enough community, so we got married. Our wives now suffered the lack of awareness. Because they now became the school through which you had to learn. Rather than you learning and bringing it to the school. 
Guys, I, I think it, enough said here. Um, please clap for that, clap to that. I, I think we'll just take a few questions, right? Um, let's, let's, let's get another chair so Lily can join. Okay. Yes, I do. So I was having a conversation today with um, my doctor, and she, when she knew about you know my relationship status and all of that stuff, she started like a like a a mini counseling session, and then she said something about you know I've been married for seven years, yada yada, but. One thing that has helped her is to always put herself first. <laughs> she says something about, and I, and I think when she, with, with context actually, because she was saying something about, yeah, she was saying something about how you don't have to overwork yourself about certain things in marriage, like what you said, like um, not every conversation can be turned into an argument, right? Um, so she also said, so more context, when she said that, then she was like, um, because sometimes you need to be happy for yourself, right? And not allowing the other person's um, attitude or character to affect your happiness. Then she made a statement that I think Uduak said when we were having a conversation, a tribeswoman, when she said something about, so there's this research around cancer patients and how women who had cancer they've traced it back to their stress levels, down to their family, like how they lived you know, in marriage. And she, my doctor echoed it again, that being able to put yourself first and staying happy, you know. So I want us to, you guys, I want, if it's possible for you guys to like place a balance. Pastor Lily said something about laying your life down. So where's the balance between laying your life down and putting yourself and, you know, Lay your life for Jesus. Something I said one time, I don't know if I, one time there was a time I spoke about the spirit of marriage. You are first married to God, though. The lane of your life, I think, and he expanded on, on it. Sorry, sometimes when I don't, when I'm not too scripted, I can go over the place. So thank you for this question. Is that you first do the work of yoking yourself with Jesus and becoming one with Jesus so that who you are in that marriage is in, is, is, inseparable from Jesus. Do you understand? So if all you're putting, if you know all you're putting yourself first, if you are not putting Jesus first, you are sabotaging your marriage and yourself by extension. Because your idea of, because your idea of, let me bring it on a practical level. Maybe you're not happy in your marriage for some reason. Maybe he's not meeting an expectation. Let's not go too far. Let's just, let's say it's kind of healthy. Maybe he's not cheating. He's not abusive. He's just not meeting an expectation. And maybe you haven't dealt with maybe your sense of entitlement. I'm giving an example. Not you, whoever it is. You know, and then you feel like your way to get your own happy is you distress, you drink. Or you, you talk to other people, people who give you attention. The feminine atten- appreciating your feminine virtue, you know, and you find uh, what's the word? You find a friend who might be, you know, a man, for instance. But then, because you haven't won, identify that you're the one who needs to walk away from self that sense of entitlement and of self obsession, where you have to be the center of all, you know. If not, you don't feel like yourself. You don't feel like somebody's validating you, you know. If you haven't done the work of 
accepting that you are you are okay not because of how you look or what you do or what you bring to the table because jesus is in you if you haven't done all that work already you will find happiness you will find joy that fulfillment in other things apart from the ones the actual source jesus spoke the one at, at, the, at the well he said to her, i said if i give you to drink you'll never thirst again we there's always a thirst in everybody Jesus doesn't say you're not, we're not thirsty, but that I am the one who gives you to drink that you will never thirst again. Do you understand? So if in your marriage you are not laying your life for, this is back to another message again. In the first place, on a single level, you are taking on the life of Christ as He's taking you on. You are no longer, you are in union. You cannot separate you and Christ again. I don't know how, how much, like how well, maybe you can help me here. But then, in the sense, Christ sees himself in you. God sees Christ in you. You should see yourself in Christ or see, you know, and vice versa. So if, if heaven is obsessed with you, please be obsessed about heaven. Do you understand? Decide that my life is going to be a testimony of heaven. So your choices, no matter what, whatever storm blows, your foundation is rooted in God. Even if you are going to fall apart, please fall into God. Do you understand? Nobody is perfect. When I said that, okay, if um, don't marry a half big person, I'm telling you, you have agency. You choose who you marry, whether you are a man or a woman. God will not force anybody on you. Some people, you don't even know the voice of God, and you say, I, I, I felt peace. <laughs> peace. <laughs> that, I would, that peace is another story altogether, but you know how I feel about peace. <laughs> Because God speaks in so many ways, and peace is not the only way. Do you understand? You don't even know the voice of God for yourself. You haven't done the work of be, of be, of. There's there's one in something we used to call tension. There's one the act of the act of God that makes it possible for you to be one. The door is open. The veil is torn. There's access. We everybody should be one. Do you understand? But then, are we all one? No. Is every human being on earth one with Christ? They are. They have to awaken to the realization. Right right uh -huh. so in the same way too if you haven't done the work of awakening to the realization you are half-baked and and it's it's not a general half-baked there are parts of your life where you might be a shining example of what a person in union with christ looks like it may be in your job or maybe how you love other people your tolerance your care you know, but they are part because we are never fully perfected until we get to the other side and marriage will show you <laughs> Try color pepe that you are truly because in marriage you are forced to confront yourself. The person you love the most will tell you the truth or show you the truth or you will ex you will experience a part of yourself you might never have known before. And then what do you do if you haven't if you if you are not comfortable enough in your union your relationship with Christ you will you will find solace in any other thing. Your union is already fragmented. It's already broken. If you haven't fixed, it, fixed your union with Christ first, your ability to show up in your marriage and love fully as Christ loves you depends on your ability to first show up fully in your relationship with Christ and love him as he loves you. You have to choose Christ too and then choose Christ for that other person rather than say, I give you a piece of my mind. Say, I give you a piece of Christ's mind. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to fast and pray for you, brother. You know, like, I don't know how to explain And in praying for the other person, you find that Christ is speaking to you about you. Because like he said, Christ doesn't come to work on the other person. Say, oh, you've prayed, sister. I said, I've heard this, the voice of his supplication. I shall hereby work on your husband. He works on you because you are open at that time. And you find that you're away from the prayer closet and you, you have more patience, you have more bandwidth, you have more faith in God that he's his son and he will listen in time, in course, that you continue to show Christ in your relationship. Your husband also is reminded of his relationship with Christ and runs there too. Do you understand? 
So see, I hope I explained it better this time about the half baked and you have to give more grace when you're in marriage. When you're not married yet, you have, please don't be like, do you understand? Please keep it moving. You don't have to tolerate. But in marriage, you find that nobody, especially if you're, if you're doing it with Christ, if you're doing it right, there's nothing that's more glaring than your shortcomings in marriage. Not your spouses, your shortcomings in marriage. I, I think that problems in marriages are actually growth opportunities. Or problems in relationship are opportunities for spiritual maturity. They help us calibrate how we're great. But the question about somebody saying love yourself, I think the context is important. I can say love yourself to three different people, and it means three different things. Let me give you an example. So this is a lady in a relationship where because she feels a deep sense of unworthiness, she comes into the relationship trying to compensate. Afraid that the person might walk away, she overextends herself. She gives off everything. She loves too hard. Even when she, she couldn't keep boundaries, even when she wasn't capable of saying, she could never say no. Because to give him a no will reject or run the risk of losing him. That person needs to learn to love herself. And it's about embracing the love of the Father already in you. It's not so much about putting the other, but embracing yourself because when people can give love that it, they, they, it's, and if you give a love that is not coming from a self-love, you will always break. Those are the people that hurt deepest and comes and become serial killers. Because they wake up one day, I gave everything. I gave him, but the point again was that there were no breaks because they were loving from trauma. Unworthiness is a program. You must un unlearn it. You are worthy of love. See, if the person said you know, do again, your exes missed out. Because there is more in you than you've even unraveled for yourself. It's not your, it's not your loss, it's their loss. Yeah. So don't hold yourself responsible that if I behaved, if I behaved better, if I did like, maybe you could have stayed. No, if he didn't stay, he didn't stay. The best place you, you should be is where you are right now, on a level. So do not necessarily agonize over those you've lost in the past. So this one person, if I'm saying love yourself, and she's dealing with unworthiness, there's still the other person, if I say love yourself, it might be a different context right but i do not always want us to use it in the context of um the, in the trauma context is okay but in the context of um protecting yourself in a relationship it becomes very anti-kingdom because the kingdom of god is not about yeah yes so that's why i'm very strongly against prenup that when you go into prenup you set yourself up to fail you can rush i know some christians have done it they rationalize it but once there's a prenup there's a way out See, God is the kind, the marriage is the kind of start-off for which there is no exit plan. We are not called to exit. There is no exit. It was just make it work. You understand? And God said from the beginning, he didn't intend that we, a divorce would happen. The hardness of people's heart made it so. Right? God always wanted us to forgive and forgive. But you have to learn to forgive unconditionally or give in advance. See, if you are in a relationship, please, part of self-love is learning to forgive yourself too. If you're holding yourself, I remember there was this story. I have Timothy Keller. I don't know if you guys have read that his book about marriage. Keller said something about two couples. There was this old couple, they've been married for 30 years. And then there was this young couple, they were married for like 10 years, but the woman was not very deep in God. They married as unbelievers, they were just learning their way to God. The other woman and her husband had been in the church for long. They were deacons and almost pastors. And I think their son got into drugs, something like that. Their son got into drugs. No, I think they were dealing with different issues. But in the counseling session, he had told the younger woman, forgive your husband. And she said, I will try. It's tough, but I'll try. And she left. The older woman that was a pastor, he told her, forgive your husband. She said, I will not. 
it was harder for her. Because guess what? Like I said, she has given herself over in the marriage, she poured everything. She resigned and took and became a housewife so he could work. Only for him to fall in love in the office. Following a woman, moving around. You understand? And all this, and then the women become, become melancholic. Like, at the end of the day, they, I was here taking care of the kids. And then the kids start getting married. You understand? And the man is our boy. You understand? Around. So most of those women are broken and bitter. And sometimes they sound to their daughters, protect yourself. So you come into husband, you can't do joint account. There's a secret account because your mother told you from the beginning, it cannot be. Don't let the man know. But that is a split of union. There is nothing to hide. In the kingdom, intimacy happens in the open. Like you have, there's nothing, there's, there's no, the secret place is for both of you. It's not secret place apart from you. So if you have a struggle in your life and you don't tell your spouse about it or you get married to them, I personally think it's, you need full disclosure at some point. Not at the beginning, not at, you have to be wise though. Because there's some full disclosure that the thing will scatter because the person is not there yet. But as the relationship progresses, keep it at the back of your mind that you're prayerfully bringing the person in. Let the person know you before they say, yes, I do. Right? So that your manager expected. They're not coming in thinking, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up for that. You understand? Even if you know you have issues with um, 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 having children, tell him. You know, somebody was complaining to me. At the end of the day, some men, five years into marriage, no child. They become a beast. Because the mother is telling them, not yet, no cry, no cry. So at the end of the day, their old marriage for them was a means to make children. They would not agree. So in marriage counseling class, we used to ask them, if there are no children, although we can, you know, we have spiritual this thing now, we can sort it out. So that's not the reality. Guys, it's sorted. Yeah, you shouldn't dent your joy. There is nothing you don't, your life should not be dependent on what you don't have. Your life should not diminish because of certain things you don't have. No, that's why loving yourself means enjoying life. Give yourself a treat. You understand? Please give yourself a treat. You deserve joy. Go to the beach, chill. Order something. Just it goes, even if it's 15k, buy it. Eat it. Only you. They say, are you expecting somebody? Said date alone. Date alone. Okay. Can I? Okay, sorry. One thing I think I need to add though is that. And especially from this story you told about the older woman who said she cannot forgive is the, the truth is in many ways and we are we are trying to be part of rectifying that for our generation is that the church has not been fully equipped to handle some crises in marriage there are some things that there's no other word for it it really is a crisis you feel like this person i've known you for so long and this thing you've done is totally out of character i can't understand i can't reconcile the person i know i sleep beside every night and what you've done to me so where do I want to begin? Even if I forgive, I'm, you are a total stranger. And how do I, yes. And then I don't, there's, there is, there's no framework for how we can deal with the root issues. If you say forgive, I can forgive, but then there's no assurance that you won't do this tomorrow, next tomorrow, the day after, or that you continue le- leading a double life. So in the past, you know, in, I don't know if they saw this in this village or even in the city, you'd always have people, elders will come to us and say, you know, no, no, our daughter, you must forgive. A man will be a man. You know, and then, you know, that you keep your home. A wise woman keep her home. You know, and then they just put uh, scripture like uh, Aboniki on top of the problem. And the leg is broken. The leg is broken. And she's resentful because she feels like I trusted you with my whole being. I never looked at another man. I never did, you know, and then you did this to me. And she loves 
God, maybe, and she believes in the maybe Ten Commandments, and she doesn't want to. She said, if you even consider a man in your heart, you are dead. You know, you have you have committed the adultery. So in her mind, she's resentful because she feels like I'm keeping my end of the bargain, but then I can't trust that you are keeping your end, and nobody's attending to the root issues. So it's either our generation now. What we have is most people are saying, oh, yeah, I beg, I beg, I beg. This life now only one. Coffee now once I don't go die. I'll keep I find my happiness. Or they are going to just grumble. I do it for the Lord. Everything we do for the Lord. And they are in all the prayer meetings, etc. But then there's cancer growing in you because you haven't dealt with a deep like a stress that cannot be measured in your weights. Do you understand? So the church needs to grow more what's the word? Capacity for dealing with the real source issues and i believe i still believe i will never stop believing that christ is the answer because when he said there's a thirst in you and if i give you to drink you will never thirst again i believe it's true and i believe i believe we just need to keep doing the work to find that water so everybody can drink and the marriages can truly have life again pastor freddy and pastor lily thank you very much for that um so it looks as though you are talking to single people. <laughs> so what people who are already in relation? You know, Pastor Fred, you talk about date yourself and you know do all that work. Or people who are already inside the relationships. Yeah. yeah at what point do you do you now say, um, babe, let's take a break. Let me go and date myself. <laughs> or like, where do you? How do you? You know, navigate that. That's one. Then two. Um, talk about how that. Um, any two persons in the kingdom can get married if they have the Holy Spirit. And I understand that on a spiritual level because, it, but then we are also humans and there's the place of attraction and all those other things that come into play. Maybe not specs, but you know, those other things that come into play. Yes, attraction basically, basically, yes. So there's that. I know somebody that no matter how, how spirit-filled you are, if you are not fair and tall, he will not like you. I know somebody. <laughs> <laughs> he just he just wants fair and tall. Right? Okay, but I think yeah, so that, that's, that that question is in context. So when we say any two can marry, now we're talking about people who are working through the issues of their marriage. So when you come into that marriage, when the truth be told, at any point in time, any two marriages can be saved if the two people commit to making it work. But often not. Somebody wants out. You understand? One person can carry the burden of the marriage. So, any two can marry is not about throwing away attraction. What we're saying is that when you are found in marriage, right, and you have the Holy Spirit, you can walk through that crisis. It's intentionally learning how to overcome that. So, the other part of it is that in relationship, being in a relationship is not a loss of yourself. It's even more so an opportunity for you to learn new ways of being yourself. And as you learn new ways of being yourself, you're also discovering yourself and you're discovering new ways of loving the other person. But the beauty of union is that you always see the person through the eyes of God, not through their flaws. Our problems are not our imperfections. Our problems are our perspectives we hold about them. If you feel that this person is rude, therefore this is all there is, we must extend ourselves graces. Because we are all coming from journeys where we need to heal. Heal from the, the experiences, things that are not serving us well. So we cannot take it upon ourselves to exit a relationship because someone is just, no, no, no. God didn't choose to, God didn't say, if you change, I'll love you. But you're not God. Anyway, but at the end of the day, the, the love of God, and I just need us to have that space that if you're dating someone now, the issues are part of the growth. 
don't say i'll live here and look for every relationship has their own different types of issues every marriage has something they're dealing with quite frankly the grass looks greener on the other side until you're getting the other side so wherever you are right now walk it out with grace and love honor the person as the image of god that they are respect them as the presence of god that they are and bring the presence of god in you even to the relationship and you guys can do life together right two more questions and we can call it a wrap so so did he answer your question okay i think we'll just take like two together and then okay that's my question um talking about sacrifice right um how do we respond to sacrifice let me give an example what do you say to your wife when she has just given birth you know it's it's a whole lot she has gone through the pain of giving birth you know it's giving you know it's it's sacrifice really or let's say um your spouse your uh the person in a relationship with does something how do you respond how do you make them feel um appreciated you know how do you make them feel loved yeah that's the question okay um if the person just gave birth i'm trying to understand the question so if the person just gave birth Okay, let me crack it because I, I, I think I didn't quite, it didn't land for me. Okay, so what I'm saying is, um, how do you respond to sacrifice? You know, we're talking about, um, your pastor only talked about um, laying your life, giving, you know, in marriage or in a relationship. In context, in context, right? Yeah, so how do you respond to that? How do you make someone feel you're giving it back? You know, you, you talked about expectation too, that, um, it, there should be expectation say you've given all you've loved the man and all right how does he reciprocate that to you to make you feel that um he appreciates what you've done then the other one about giving birth um it's just an example you know i've seen um ladies go through you know after pregnancy you know the old pain and all that the pain of giving birth and they will say um he didn't even thank me you know yeah yes yes I've, I've i've seen people say such things so how do you respond to sacrifice how do you respond to people giving all you know so that's the okay. question ella let's take your question as well mm. okay so my question is um around submission um so for the longest time the the bible says wife submit to your husband and it also says um submit to one another so but if you take that submission literally um it's a very difficult word for me personally because i don't think i can actually submit in the literally sense of it to like give out my will my power to somebody else that is an actual human being to make decisions for me and i've been making decisions for myself so how do we like I want to understand that part of wife submit to your husband or submit to one another. So that's my question. Okay, so um to any more questions? Okay. Okay. Okay, let's take let's take this two and there. Please keep it one minute. Femi, in the one about how do we reciprocate when when the other person sacrifices quite frankly our what we advocate here is living a spirit-led life spirit-filled life because in a spirit-filled life you are not necessarily um you don't deprive the other person of affection and appreciation 
um, you, it's, it's, it's the, the attitude of a spirit-filled life is gratitude, is appreciating the other person, and we must cultivate that sense of appreciation of one another. Even as a community, honor is natural. It's not that when you are dating the person, you honor them. It's that we honor everyone as the presence of God, as the carriers of God's image, right? As a child of God, we honor them. So I don't need us to have that telependagras mindset, like, okay, 50-50, 70-30. Um, it's really about me coming, becoming present, looking for ways to serve you. Like, if I get back home and um, Lily is feeling too tired, I, I'm not going to be thinking like, ah, babe, I, I, need, I need somebody to care for me right now. You understand? I think the plan is that relationship is also a sense, is a rhythm where you guys are looking to outlove and outserve yourself. If we bring the rules all the time into marriage, there are days where the rules will not apply. Uh, so that you have to hold the rules in context, let the spirit lead more than anything else, right? Um, I'm, I'm not usually the best person in a domestic way, but wherever I feel the, the time, if I can, I would want to try. <laughs> you understand? You understand? But my point again is that, I, but there is a, if, if my own construct is, no, it's a woman thing, no, you understand? I'm already in a box that will hurt both the person I love. Because at the end of the day, you would, they would break in trying to carry the weight of you. Nobody is designed to carry the other person what or significance. We are both to be present in love. That's why it's important that when some people don't get love back, become suicidal. You heard the story of somebody setting up somebody at Blaze in Lagos, right? Because of the things that have happened, right? At the end of the day... No, they were both... They were both... Okay. documents of the house and you know while she was doing that she put kerosene in the house that if i can't have the house none of us is going to so she now also put kerosene on herself and then of course in the middle of everything she according to my doctor's story the husband pushed her into, into the, the fire. fire and because she already had kerosene all over herself she said okay so in that context no in that context see what i was Yes, see guys, it, it's not a springboard, but here is the thing, I, I will put this out there. Um, as you live life of union, one of the things you discover is a cure from attachment. Please guys, never get too attached to things that you feel if you lose them, you've lost the word for living. Nothing is worth your life for. You can walk away from everything, trust God to give you over and over again. She could have stayed and maybe built 10 houses. The point was that this is not the sum of my existence. It's not the sum of my world. So you and I be willing that whenever something comes, whether it's a business that compromises your joy and that steals from, and just feel like I'm not living the life here. It's not, no, 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 give it away. Equity is overrated. Sometimes, you know, they even give anybody. So at the end of the day, the point again is that I, I just need us to, there, there is attachment. You know, we did a course, a study called Attachment Theory, where that when you become attached to things, your, your inability, you become suicidal when you lose them. So one of, the one of the questions I must tell you today that you must live with in your own journey of dating yourself and self-discovery, what is that thing today that if you lose, will make life lose its meaning? What is that thing today, if you fail to achieve it, will make life not worth living? Please, that's your first dating question. Date yourself on that question. What if that thing today, if I lose it, will make life lose its meaning? And what if that thing today, if I fail to achieve it, 
will make life. If you have answers to that question, you have a work of transition to do. It speaks to an idol. Anything that you value more than the value you place on God and God's love for you has become the idols of your life. Nothing should make your life lose its meaning if you lose it. Whether it's a husband or it's a wife or it's a job. You know, I know a couple, the husband died three days after she followed. Said she can't live without him. Everybody say, what a love. You understand? But the children are not often. Heal. Death is not the worst thing to happen to a man. You are here. Live life. Honor his memory. And don't forget that, I keep saying it here, sometimes we've been conditioned to live in the future and we are dying in the moment. Most of us are absent even in the present. We are waiting to live life in the future. Take yourself out and live life. See here, buy the roses while they are still alive. Don't give them roses when they are dead. Roses are not just for dead people. Ella, submission. <laughs> See, Ella, a bit of a touchy thing, right? So, here is how I would say it, quite frankly. Uh, submission is not something I think is natural for many people, particularly if you are self, if you are very strong-willed, and particularly if you've been in a, in a in an environment where a woman's submission led to her death, or a woman's submission led to her downfall. Like it's it's something that can sort of scar you from seeing the beauty in that. But here is what the Bible has given us as a model: that in the home there is a man and there is a woman. And submission is not subjugation. That the man has authority doesn't mean he's authoritarian. So it's not that he, that he, he's called to control his home doesn't make him a, a controlling. It's actually that the men are mostly traumatized and toxic. That's why they become controlling. It's because they don't know who they are. They don't understand it. They, don't, they have a very low view of the Holy Spirit. That's why they become authoritarian. But the beauty of submission is that in that home, the husband is there. And our tribe, we affirm that. That the husband is your husband is the head of the home. It doesn't mean that he's the Lord of oh yeah. And at the end of the day, there is there is also a condition where that submission is not demanded, it is earned. And you're not coming into the if you're here in your relationship, love them into submission. It's not demand their way into submission. You understand? Love them into it. Like see um, guys, take this one. Your your wife is a reflection of you. And that no, you are the reference. They are the reflection. And if you are not, <laughs> this kind of people shall. So, so I, I would say that don't. As you journey in life and you meet a godly man, the time and the place would reveal to you. You will find yourself naturally coming into a place where you want to yield. Now, outside the home, please don't take submission to work. I'm not recommending that you take submission to the place of work. Work is capitalism. Now, who sabi the work pass? So guys, stop making women the treasurer and the uh, secretary. Please write the notes. No, no, that's not what it is. Like a woman can be the CEO if she has the competence and the capacity. So some men carry submission to workplace. Tell them pack them now. How see they? You understand? So at the end of the day, let's not let's 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 separate it. You are not meant to diminish where we are making mistakes. As some men have made that submission in the home into a prototype for life in the workplace for women, and then they put a, a ceiling and say no woman rises above. You understand? And suddenly, you, they set all the, the, the roadblocks. And it's not right. If a woman is capable, see, uh, they, they did a research. The countries where women, women were leaders had less deaths to COVID. The men that were leading, it is not real. Some of them were still saying, a biological weapon. 
No, China tell us where it came from. People are dying. Women don't lock door. Carry it. They've done everything. This New Zealand, no, honestly, there's a compassion that is natural to women that helps them lead. So in the season of your life, whether you're a workplace, aspire to be the greatest, the best, give yourself to the company. Don't feel limited by culture. Culture is speaking, not gospel. I know the difference. You understand? But we can no longer override submission in the home because submission has been abused in the workplace. So we cannot throw away the baby and the bait water. Right, we must separate it in the context of what we're discussing. You know. Okay. Let me start with your question because I feel like it's going to be a good segue to your question. So what he said about so you love a person into submission. And again, our standard is Christ and he's the perfect example because when you gave when you well, we used to say give your life, but then we could also say when you realized basically when you when you discovered who you were in Christ. Do you understand? It became, it, I don't think it happened immediately unless you entered from a legalistic entry point, like where you give your life to Christ, to speak in tongues, you know, now it's about again, one million souls. But you actually had a personal decision encounter with your heart. There was a change of heart. You realized that I need Jesus. Do you understand? It's the same way too, that you look at a man out of a sea of men and you say, I need well, let's say need, but I choose, <laughs> you, you, I choose this person. Yes, you have to. You chose Christ. He did not hoodwink you. He did not force you. Your parents cannot pour Christ inside you. Do you understand? It's a if they did, it's a lie. Please do it again. No, go and find Christ on your own. You know, it's, it has to be a personal conviction and and a response to that conviction where you choose the person. Do you understand? In the same way too, and even after that choosing, you learn the voice of God over time. You learn to trust the voice of God over time. You learn to lean into his love. When he says rest, you learn to rest. It doesn't happen all at once. It happens by him showing you over and over in different, you know, with different life experiences that he can be trusted. It's the same way too for marriage. So men, when you enter and you come with that legalistic um, demand, why you should submit, you are the wife. (laughs) Bro, is that, if Jesus, if it was that easy, ask Jesus. No, ask him about his church and if we're all submitting. Someone that's still going to go and pursue one ram that is running away and living in 99. Do you understand? So many, when it says, as Christ loved, loved, loved the church, that is your standard, that is your example. Sit down with those scriptures and study them. Don't gloss over them. Really ask, like, just like, ask, so Jesus, you mean, you did like this, you did like that. And I should pursue Jacinta like that. Like, like I need you to ask him questions, like, bring it practical. Practicalize his walk, his work, his living and dying for the church and living forever as the church in your own marriage and relationship do you understand don't don't be legalistic don't be religious about it submit and you say you said head joe you said head okay <laughs> that's another conversation nobody asked me so i won't answer that one but all of you team head head okay um, another day so um ella don't we can't throw it baby and the bath water the truth is i'm i'm a strong-willed person for instance i like being heard i think i'm not stupid i think i have good ideas sometimes and i like them being heard right do you understand? I can be assertive. I, I am bold about it too. But then that should not impede my ability to learn that in someone who has proven time and time again that he loves me. And when he says, I have your back, I can trust him. Is that the time to be doing? That time to be doing? No, leave me. I can't do it by myself. Because to be told, there's a part of me that wants to come home and rest. I want to be able to rest in my lover. 
Do you understand? So I don't want to be working. I don't want to be working at home. So as strong as I am and as competent as I am, I want to be able to seize from my labors. Amen. I want to to come home and somebody will say, um, and somebody's wearing apron and saying, Lily, I'm, I'm making dinner. I got you. The way the singles are getting excited, guys. In tribe, we believe in no sex before marriage. We stand, I say, the way the singles no, no, are getting lo, excited. Your, lover, your husband is your maker. Your, your husband is your lover. Yeah, yeah, sorry, your husband is your lover, not your maker. Sorry, yes, yeah, so please. Uh, that one's safety, but they didn't ask us, so let's not answer it yet. So, so, so please, um, let's not be, let's not be uh, toxic about it and then deny the things that are, are fact and glaring. Everybody deserves rest. Everybody needs to rest. Do you understand? My husband should be able to come home and then feel like before I even walk in the door, someone has already thought about ways to make me comfortable when I come home. Someone has already thought, okay, work has been stressful. I've already called to say, man, my boss slammed me today. Do you like, so you're coming home and someone is already, you know, has already planned a pity party for you to have all to yourself. You know, <laughs> but then, sorry. So I'm saying all this to say, Ella, basically that there is an, it is a part of us, man and woman, male and female, that wants to rest. And that microcosm as on, on the physical plane is marriage for us. You can come and have someone. Two, two is better than one. One can have you, you have a better reward for your labors. It says when one is cold, the other will keep him warm. When one falls down, when life knocks you down, the other person can carry, can lift you up. There's truth in it. There is a place for rest in marriage. So allow yourself to enjoy it. Choose mindfully. Choose with someone who has proven over time that you can trust his love. You can trust her love. Do you understand? It should be earned. And then when you, when you, and when you do marry, don't expect from day one that everything should be clockwork. I mean, if it happens that way, all good and well, that means that you showed enough in your relationship, in your courtship, that the person entered with enough trust in the bank to fall like that. Do you understand? But then if not, again, you can't throw a... You, when you're dating, please keep moving. Data analysis in here. But when you do marry, realize that there's no... <laughs> there's no perfection and love that person through the faults. As long as, of course, you are not being beaten and battered and broken, there you need to seek counsel, I beg of you. Then your uh, question about when someone, when someone is sacrificial and how to respond, please can we just clap for him first of all? That's a very important question because not enough people, most of the time people want to, people, people say things like, Eh, but eh, all your mates are burning. What's there? Is your body not a baby? Like, is it me that was born before? Do you know, like, is it me that was born before? You are, you know, eh. Because what what you've done is actually for two of you. You know, you've you've given seed, but someone has carried it. And pregnancy can be is beautiful. It's a life altering experience, but it can also be very stressful. And you live sometimes with the with the with the aftermath for the rest of your life. You know, I would know. <laughs> But 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 um but so moving from that point of, um sorry point I made love, your love should be so encompassing that it, you don't it's not about saying thank you the person has to say you can't even say thank you there's already a problem that means the person cannot feel a sense of uh, empathy yes Fendi is pinching me that I should stop talking sorry but empathy the person doesn't feel it doesn't feel seen enough for what they've for what they've and what I say endured, for the journey they've just been on, it might not be pregnancy. It might be carrying the family through maybe a financial crisis where they had to be only one income. 
It could be maybe you are a blended marriage or blended family where you bring a child into the family and then the person feels like this could have been us, our little bubble, but there is a person here and I'm, I'm making space to accommodate two men instead of one or two people instead of one. I want to feel your empathy for what, for the effort I'm putting in. Someone has to say, I need you to use your words. It's a problem. It's a problem. That means you're not feeling enough. You're not putting yourself in that position enough. And loving in that way, again, Christ puts himself in your position so that you could learn to put him in yours. And marriage is the same thing. You should both be in each other's shoes at every point in time. If someone says, my head is paining me, you should be thinking, well, what could have caused the headache? Most of like, you, you should already be sort of problem solving for the person. Someone says, my boss did this to me. You should be thinking, how would they feel? What would they need to get better? What words of appreciation? What, can, what scripture can I quote over you? What can, we, can I pray over you? Who do I need to speak to for you? Do you understand? So it's a good question, and the answer is is empathy. If the person has to use their words already, there's already a problem. It's already number five. Like, it's already red alert. Do you understand? Okay, guys, please celebrate that. I think we have um, time is far spent. Uh, people are going really far. You know, one thing about relationship, you can't always exhaust the question. Um, but what we want to do tonight, we're just sort of praying, um, taking our offerings. Um, we're going to put a link on the group for questions to keep coming in. We're going to set a link. Um, we're going to set a, a question link about relationship. I think um, maybe tonight or tomorrow, and also a, a prayer link for those of us who are in seasons of our lives that we need people to pray with. So you can use the link to send in your prayer requests and to send in your questions. So we'll continue to share them and ask them. But um, I want us to pray, right? Um, and what I want us to make as a prayer, and we continue to pray that um, we've, we've all heard all of these things. That once we spend time to know ourselves. What area in our life are we looking for? Are we needing the most help to be shaped by the love that we are in? Relationship comes to reveal things about us. It dials out the worst and yet the best. And as we be in that relationship, what we discover about ourselves is not a sentence, is not the end. It's actually a growth opportunity. So I want us to reflect and just ask yourself the question, where in your life right now are you um, yearning for your, your, your spouse is complaining about you, that you want to see God intervene. Is it about your spending habits? Is it about, maybe sometimes some people who are cowards, who just can't always start, end up telling a little lie, just lying a lot. And if they're in that relationship, you know that what will fix the lying problem is the cowardice, right? Or people who are just perfectionists and they tend to be very critical. So tonight we're asking that God will pour his spirit upon everyone here. And tonight, Father, we're trusting you with all of us that we open ourselves to you. Heal the parts that are broken. Bring us to realize today that you have paid the price to bring redemption to us. Redeem our souls, redeem our spirit, redeem our minds, our memories. For those of us that have memories where our minds are constantly being traumatized by the things we've experienced growing up, by broken homes, broken relationships, breakfast and heartbreaks at every turn. Father, heal us completely. Make us available to love. Let love flow from us and through us. Father, help us to see ourselves through the eyes of love. To see you. To see each other through your eyes. To see the spouses, our other person, through your eyes. You call us perfect. You call us whole. You do not write us off. You write us in. You qualify us and that's the beauty of what we have. You accepted us even before we qualify for anything. You accepted us as we are and started to drive and help us to become more of who we are. Father, thank you that today you constantly heal us. And for those of people that are yearning for love, let love find them. Let love be found. That yearning to experience real 
they've been in all kinds of bad relationships and somehow they've given up on the idea of love help them know that love is possible and for people who are going through a crisis in their relationship and their marriages where it's hanging in the balance they don't know whether it's going or off but father step in and let's do what only you can do heal and restore where there is a need for and father those of us that are attached to past relationships with all strange soul ties help us to break free from those things that we can stand free of those soul ties that we can let go of the exes and face the future that we can let go of those that have let go of us that we can move on truly that we can have the closure to move on let the blood that was shed for us bring closure in areas where they've opened portals today we speak wholeness and healing in our in our lives we speak wholeness in your sexual life we speak wholeness that those of us that are caught up in masturbation or porn that healing comes even today that the spirit of the lord will invade every habit every addiction and break you free you will know wholeness you will live from wholeness wholeness is possible wholeness is yours and father let our hearts begin to see ourselves stand and declare that we are whole we are we are loved lord today we, we, we pray that you will cure us even if there is a sex addiction here where we know that we can't control ourselves and we fall at every turn today help us with the strength to stand and overcome those things because we are not our addictions we are not our struggles we are not our stories we are not our past we are none of these things we are the life of God busting forth from within us he calls us qualified calls us perfect that is who we are Father thank you Lord Almighty for our families as well we speak healing into the relationship and marriages of our siblings anyone that is going through a marital crisis Father we speak restoration to their hearts that love will return to those homes that their kids will know that their parents are loving again we speak wholeness and restoration and revival into our parents that even after 30 years of marriage they can still love again they can still fall in love again and they can be more intimate than ever before we speak lord almighty into marriages across lagos and nigeria that marriages will stand it will the enemy will not take over our marriages our marriages will be affirmed we speak over our children in the name of jesus we pray please clap for the lord amen um yeah well, we're taking our offerings now this is going to continue uh, one of the things i'm learning in marriage is once you get married you don't stop dating and you keep dating so understand that and even this moment when we say date yourself the interesting part of what you're going to do is that the greatest moments i have with lily are not the most expensive dates they were the most intimate conversations so allow yourselves to express yourself i know for many of us we are not coming from culture of expression you can date somebody for four years you don't know their village you don't know anything because they are just coded just living life on the surface sometimes as you grow may god allow you to be vulnerable to those you love and may those vulnerable moments not be taken advantage of but god will give you wisdom to steward people's vulnerability with love and honor honor them who have trusted you with their deepest part of their being but as you do life don't be afraid of asking the questions let him answer the questions what is what, what about this what about that dialogue and you're praying through them is not the end of the road it's only a bend but if you do it right with the holy spirit you will enjoy life have a good night guys you can log on to thetribelagos.com or email us at hello at thetribelagos.com follow us on instagram facebook and twitter on the tribe lagos god bless